NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. And I can feel this whole place looking at us. And they, Cody and Tuff and those guys, they just, they were just dumb to the world at the time or something. <laughs> they, they didn't have a clue. And I'm eating. And finally, I, I just stop and I go, hey, you know, these people want to say hi to you and you guys don't give them the time of day. And I shoot their asses out. Nice. And I right. told them about the kids that were back there. Then you never said hi to them or you'd have made those kids, you'd have made their yeah. life. And so they never said a word. And Cody's eating, and this is where it gets about half sad. He looks up at me and goes, that was Lane's job. NFR Extra, episode 96. We are going back into the NFR Extra vault with a living legend among stock contractors and owner of Growney Brothers Rodeo Company, John Growney. Growney joins the show to talk about his and Don Kish's notorious Red Rock, the 1988 Challenge of Champions, and of course, his dear friend, Lane Frost. Enjoy our conversation with John Growney. In Las Vegas, December can only mean one thing. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. The NFR is the culmination for the top contestants in the world seeking to share the $10 million purse and the coveted gold buckle. For fans, Las Vegas transforms into the greatest Western party in the world with the NFR experience, which features Cowboy Christmas, the Junior World Finals, nonstop entertainment, custom viewing parties, and so much more. Follow all the action at nfrexperience.com. Great moments, great champions, great memories. There's only one NFR, there is only one Vegas. Hi, this is Tuff Edelman, four-time world champion bull rider, and you're listening to NFR Extra. John Growney, a fifth-generation Red Bluff resident, came from the lineage of Growney Motors, but was more in love with horses than horsepower. So he began riding, competed as an amateur cowboy and a professional, and in 1975, began acquiring horses. Since 1981, the Growney Brothers Rodeo Company has provided stock to the National Finals Rodeo. Welcome to the show, John Growney. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be on these deals. Yeah, you make me laugh. I've never seen a guy, when, when we do rodeos and stuff, and you go, John's always got a smile, most of the time. I've seen him without it a few times, but uh, generally, this is the happiest guy in the rodeo business right here. So, you know, we're, we're here at the NFR. We're here at Cowboy Christmas, actually, right? We're in the... Uh, NFR Extra Bloomer Studio, right? <laughs> That's AKA. a dandy, I might add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of nice. It actually looks nice in here, but yeah. it's a tiny little son of a guy. Yeah, it is. Well, John, it gets us all close, okay. so we can all yeah. and open <laughs> up. We are in your awkwardly <laughs> close studio right uh, here. We were looking right at uh, Tough Edelman yesterday. We had to look him in his eyes. I know. And, uh, I think he got a little uncomfortable, but it got good after yeah, a while. I don't like to intimidate the little fella. No, so. no, 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 right. no. He's intimidating <laughs> as it is. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, we're here. We got 35 years been here in Las Vegas with the NFR. A lot of good moments have happened. Uh, 
you've been attached to a lot of things that have happened in these 35 years. One of the things that, uh, we just, let's get into the mix. Let's talk about Red Rock, Don Kish, that bull, and what it means to you and kind of what it's done, I think, what for your business and everything else, right? Right. You know, uh, you know, you, when you're, I was 27 years old when I got in the rodeo business, so you you, you think you know, because you, I, I watched Cotton Rosser, I watched, you know, Mike Serby, watched them all, and I'm going to be like them. That's what you get handed uh, who you are mm. and because you don't know any different. So you yep. start doing your thing and you don't realize that all these things, if you do it right, start elevating you and your growth to become better in who you are. And, and so um, we were in the rodeo business. We got in in 77 and in 1984, we bought Red Rock from this Mert Hunking, an amateur stock contractor and, and I could bore you, guys, but it's not boring to me because it's an emotional roller coaster ride that you're on in your whole yeah. life. And this Mert Hunking was dying of cancer. And he knew Donnie and I, and Kish had had him at this Red Rock at an amateur rodeo when he was 17 years old or something like that. And the bull almost knocked him out because when Red Rock bucked these guys off, he'd just drive them in the ground. Oh, man. And so we knew the bull. And then when Jerome Robinson was putting on rodeos in Portland and Tacoma, he'd bring Mert Hunking some of his good broncs and some of his bulls and he'd bring Red Rock. So we got to watch Red Rock. Well, anyway, Mert had cancer and he was fighting it and he needed to sell Red Rock. He was selling his business. And and, it, and this is the emotional part because he went and watched every stock contractor in the Northwest, how they took care of their animals, where they were going and everything. And we're just a young rodeo company and he liked what we were doing. So he called me and goes, hey, I want to sell you Red Rock. And I... So I knew we wanted him and he wanted $10,000 and then nobody had ever paid $10,000 for a bull. And I told him, well, I don't think I can afford him. He goes, I'll finance you. You can afford him. You got to have him. Nice. So right. that was our, in 1984, he brought Red Rock to uh, Red Bluff, California and just came the day before the roundup and, and uh, we had him entered in it. He threw his cowboy off. We already knew we had this great bull, but we didn't know four more years was going to tell us how great this bull was. Yep. And so just one little thing after another, I've got lots of red rock stories to tell you. It made you realize that he just wasn't a bull. There was a little bull rider inside this bull nice. and he knew what he wanted <laughs> to do every time. Oh, so, yeah. you know, he was, I, I used to watch the, you know, the old bull, we were talking about it yesterday with tough, uh, the old bull riding heroes, you know, and yep. you remember the old videos yep. when they, and <clears throat> uh, the, George Paul or and uh, George Michael stop. Okay. George Michael Sports Machine. Yes, thank you very much. Great yeah, man. No worries, yes. Yeah, great man. <clears throat> That's how right. I learned rodeo. Two, right. Three. <laughs> George Michael. You know, I used to watch him uh, Red Rock in those old videos in there, mm -hmm. and then George Michael Sports Machine and all that stuff. He always bucked so stiff legged. Do you know what I mean? He never he never gave, did he? It had to it had to jar the feelings out of your teeth. Is that what everybody said? Yeah. When, yeah. And another thing, you know, the uh, those bull riders, all bull riders, do it to this day. They get up on their rope and they get their spurs in. They get their knees in. They, I mean, they're wiggling. Well, the whole time they're wiggling. This whole Red Rock and I. One time, see, we had to catch him because he couldn't go with any other bull. So really? when he was out, I had to be in the back, sort of watching because Kish was flanking. And, you know, we had to catch him because they, they, a big old fight would break loose. when he Would, would he fight you or would he just kind of count? I mean, no, he'd he, fight the bulls. Oh, that's what I mean. He, that's, he yeah. wasn't a bull. He just was, he was a person. I got you. Exactly. <laughs> and he was going to kick, you know, out yeah, of somebody. I got you. Because, but anyway, he's jacked up. So um, Ricky uh, had the scar on his face. Uh, 
Ricky Bowen. No, Ricky. Ricky Lindsay. Okay, Ricky we'll Lindsay. start that over. Ready? One, two, three. Right. One, two, three. So go. Ricky Lindsay has him, <laughs> and Ricky Lindsay brings me this rock. And that's back when the pet rock was singing. He's going, when I'm done with this bull, you're going to want this thing because I'm going to make a pet rock out I, of this. I can't so, and I'm in different. the back, and it's at Livermore, and those Powder River panels, you know, they all are the same size and everything. Pretty soon I'm watching this bull. He goes down to two rungs. Whoa. just get, And, you know, most of the time a bull rider can feel it, but he'd do it with all four legs. Just getting that Get spring. Right, oh, right. boy. And so they never felt it, and they and he'd never lean on him. He wouldn't move around. He wouldn't do anything. So they'd go, is this him? And he, yeah, this is him. So they'd nod their head, and this bull would just spring out of there. God, and he thought awesome. those good guys, they never made two jumps because he would jump so high and so hard and then dive to that ground, like you said, stiff. And then he'd just drive them in the ground. So wow. He did. And he would. His, I mean, it's almost like his yeah. his. Front legs never bent when he hit the ground. Right. It, it sounds it, like a roller coaster. Like a mule. You know, like a, <laughs> well, I don't know what it was, but even uh, Cody Lambert was saying every bull rider that ever got on Red Rock, their wrist hurt after they got done mm. riding him. So uh, he was doing something to hurt him. Yeah. And, Tugging on him, probably, right. like you said, a stiff like like Brad's over here, like getting on a mule that bucks. You know, <laughs> a stiff legged mule. So I, I don't know how much you want to go into this, but. No, that's great. I, 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 that's, Absolutely. There's, there, there's one story that. See, Cody Lambert had uh, Red Rock at Ellensburg, mm. and it bucked him off pretty fast. But Cody Lambert just, he studies everything he knows. Mm. And so at Cedarville, we had the next year, we're at the Cedarville Rodeo, and, and Lane, not Lane wasn't with him, but they came up. I think Tuff was there and Charlie Sampson and Ted News. And so they came up from Reno to get in this little $1,000 added rodeo, but that was still a pretty good rodeo back then. Oh, yeah. Well, this Cody, without saying anything to anybody, gets both the gate guys, the guy tripping the latch, and they're going, when I nod my head, no matter where I am on this bull, you open that gate. And so he, he just was sitting back on the flank almost with his hand all ready to go. He nodded, and they opened that gate, and Red Rock looked outside of that gate going, what's going on here? And it took him about six and a half seconds to buck Cody off. But when it did buck him off, it knocked him out. Oh, so yeah. It, tried to cheat him, didn't Yeah, he yeah. tried to Sneak get Sneak up on him. So anyway, here Cody and Lane and all those guys are really good friends. Cody never shared that with anybody. So with the first match we did with, with Lane at Red Bluff, it almost it hurts him. It just drives him in yeah. the ground. Mm. So then the next week at Clovis, it knocks him where he doesn't really know where he is. And so myself and Cody goes out there and sort of turns Lane around and brings him back to the bucket and shoots. And Cody looks at me and he goes, hey, we got to tell him the deal or this bull's going to kill, kill him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so anyway, and then he told Lane that, hey, don't be, when, when you jump to your rope, be going at the same time. And so that sort of took a little edge away from Red Rock, but they still had some great matches. Oh, my gosh, yeah. How, how many people do you really think knew that? I mean, after a little later on, do you do you think that anybody You're one else of the used... first guys I shared that with. Really? Right. Well, thank you. Because, Holy cow. That's right. awesome. Because uh, Cody, that was just his – he was so wise. I, yeah. I can brag on that. That was a cry to – Dale Hall used to say he thought he really had some great bulls till that car load showed up. Yeah. And he didn't think he had such <laughs> you great bulls. It. I got a question. So is, was Red Rock the first bull put into the Hall of Fame or was... No. Um, for, um, B-71 or... I, I think Oscar was there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, There was a couple of bulls before that. The only thing that we do know that uh, Red Rock 
And it's because we got to know those guys. And then we proved that Red Rock deserved to be the world champion bull, the Buck and Bull of the Year. Yeah. And he was the first West Coast Bull to be selected oh, wow. as the Buck and Bull of the nice. Year. Well, let, okay, so you brought up Lane. We're still talking about Red Rock. Let's talk about this challenge of champions. I remember that. that so I think it's the greatest marketing. I, I that's did, what I was going to say. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a, a livestock judging contest when I was a freshman at Chico State yep. and in Denver. And every year they'd have a match between the world champion and descent was the horse at the time. No. And, and they, they, they just make, they'd market it that way. You know, yeah. that, you know, they must've paid that world champion to come and get on descent. And he was bucking horse of the year yeah. quite uh -huh. a few times. And so I remember that and it was a good, it was, you know, I, I took marketing classes and that's, <laughs> that's it. So, really? but I never thought it would affect me ever in my lifetime, but I thought it was a great idea. All of a sudden, we had Red Rock, who was the Buck and Bull of the Year in 1987. Yep. And then the IRA was getting to know Lane, and we were you know, hanging out a little bit, and Cody and all those guys. And then we knew that Lane had a shot at doing that. And we didn't hardly tell anybody, but I talked to Lane. I go, Lane, if you win this world championship, mm -hmm. we need to do this match. And we had retired Red Rock in 1987, mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. after, I think, um, who was last? Cody, uh, God, I know him really well, too. Little guy from Arizona, Cody. Oh, Cody Custer. C Cody Custer oh, yeah, was yeah, the last yeah. guy to have Red Rock at a rodeo, and that was at really? the NFR here in 1987. Nice. And so when Lane won it, I knew it was a great idea. But I, I was doing it sort of half-assed. You know, I just knew I had these two great guys. Yep. But Sue Rosoff, who was a photographer and everything like that, and then George Michaels, who loved Lane Frost. Oh yeah. He'd do any anywhere Lane was, and George Michael had the opportunity to be there. He and Lane were going to be somewhere. And then George got involved, and Kendra got involved, and then Linda Rosser's, uh, Cotton Rosser's first wife, she got involved. Wow. So we had this great bunch of people that knew other people. Nice. And USA Today got into the Chronicle, got into Sports Illustrated. Yep. That they could understand this challenge of these two champions. Yep. And that's what we lack nowadays in the rodeo world. Is we, It's hard to sell because we're just selling an event and we're not selling these two champions going at it. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, 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 no, no doubt. I fully agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. Let's stay with Lane. Okay, it's okay. hard to do. But yeah, 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 yeah. No, and that, you, you and I will get a little emotional here. when, when That's great. Well, and this, I, it makes sense, Cause, right? Because right. we've heard he, is he really that nice? Is he really that kind yes. of an individual? You know, you just, Rob, cool. Robbie just said, you know, sometimes he seen me without a smile. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of stress in putting on rodeos and, and yeah. stuff. But that Lane would show up and he'd be a whole arena length away from me and he'd holler my name yeah. and just him hollering my name would change my attitude. Yeah. This, this kid, he was it. He, so he was an angel. He yeah. really was. And he, he affected so many people. So one time, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I got, we got all day. Right, got after, plenty of time, right, yeah. right after Lane died, uh, I went to Denver and I met up with Cody and tough and Ty and, Michael Gaffney and we were, you know, I just hung out with him because we all felt this loss and we all felt this bond with each other. Yeah. And so I was with him and that's when bull ridings were just starting sort of open bull ridings. And so I was with Cody and Ty and, and Tuff and Jim Sharp and we were going to a bull riding and we stopped in a what's up or something like that, all's up. You know, they're like, they're yep. like our 7-Eleven or yes. something like that. Nice. And here were these, there was about five high school rodeo kids and they knew who, Tough and Cody were and everything, and they, but Texas kids and most kids, especially around rodeo, are polite, so they never said one word. Well, those guys, 
never said one word to them either. And so I, I saw it happening and I didn't like it, but that wasn't my business to say yeah. something. So that night we're at a smorgasbord or something mm -hmm. and I can feel this whole place looking at us. And they, Cody and Tuff and those guys, they just, they were just dumb to the world at the time or something. <laughs> they, they didn't have a clue. And I'm eating and finally I, I just stop and I go, hey, you know, these people want to say hi to you, and you guys don't give them the time of day. And I shoot their asses out. Nice. And I right. told them about the kids that were back there. Then you never said hi to them, or you'd have made those kids, you'd have made their yeah. life. Yeah. And so they never said a word. And Cody's eating, and this is where it gets about half sad. He looks up at me and goes, that was Lane's job. Oh, Lane man. brought the people to yeah. the table. Oh, wow. And so that. That is hard. Right. Right. Yeah. And so they didn't. But after that. I think three of the greatest spokesmen for bull riding yeah. were Ty Tuffman and, and, and Cody. That is yeah. a great story. Right. Yeah. Because I think all of a sudden they realize now it's their job to take care of that. 100%. They got to take care of that legacy. This is NFR Extra and our guest today, NFR stock contractor, John Growney. We will return after the break. NFR Extra follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, with a re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Joe Frost joining you on NFR Extra. John Growney is here on NFR Extra. It's 2019, right? 31 years yeah. later. So just a post on social media garners a lot of engagement, right, for that. But even so, and this is something that I really impacted us earlier this year, and that's when... Um, uh, and I'm drawing a blank, but it was uh, the individual that played uh, eight seconds for him. It Luke, was um, Luke, Luke, Luke Perry. Perry, good friend of ours. So yeah, yeah so uh, th this tells you how powerful that was. Luke Perry had his own world, 90210, whatever, but when we shared the information that Luke had passed away, I can tell you that was one of the most highest performing type social posts from engagements of, to, it, my whole point is the extension of this guy played him, you know, he portrayed Lane as an actor, but because of Lane and how big he was, that still resonated with, everyone was like, Luke was one of our guys because of Lane. Right. You know what it I mean? was almost like he was a contestant. Yes. That, I mean, like he was one of the rodeo guys because he, well, mainly he acted like it. I mean, yeah. he would come He, he looked out. a lot like him and everything. Yeah. Cody Lambert, when, when I got there, you know, I had a little part in the thing and it took me like forever to learn it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I thought it was going to be easy and it was tough. But when, when Cody first saw me, he goes, John, you're going to be amazed how much this guy looks and acts mm -hmm. like him. But those actors, you know, he didn't look exactly like him. I didn't sure. even think he had brown eyes and Lane had blue eyes or something. Right. But, yeah. but just his, he, he learned to be Lane Frost. And yeah. that's what those actors do. They learn to be somebody. Yeah, and yeah. he was really great. I, I mean, it, absolutely. Well, just powerful on the side of, you know, he, he had a career because of that. I don't just uh, like the lane thing is just to me is just mind blowing with how who he was. Yeah, and I guess you saying an angel makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, he, well, only get the, a few the, of those the sad world. thing about Lane is for all this, we wouldn't even be sitting here talking right now if Lane hadn't died. Yeah, you know, he exactly. would have been another world champion bull rider, and Red Rock would have another been another buck and yeah. bull of the year. Uh, think about this too. Talk about the whole kindness piece that you're talking about. Think about how he just kept building that. 
what kind of um, uh, example that he would have created for longer term. You know, someone that gets to stand around a long time and they just start creating a bigger thing and. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. You know, stuff. and I know I'm not supposed to compare any Christian thing or anything no. like that to Lane Frost, but you know, I don't even know how to say it. But it's Sunday, I know. But Jesus, yeah, to this day, if he hadn't have died on the cross, he'd just been another guy that came and and went. Yeah. yeah. But because of of his suffering and dying for us, yeah. And I'm not a preacher at all. No, no, but, all but, no that's a good but, comparison. But Lane I know where Frost, you're going. Lane Frost. In our rodeo world, yeah. and especially our little bull riding world, yeah. those kids to this day, they weren't even born when he died. And they they love and adore him. And his mom, Wayne's mom, has carried that message in yeah. a Christian sense. And those kids gravitate. And I think because of her and because of Lane's death, there's a lot more Christian kids out there because yeah. of that. Wow, oh, I man. think that's great. Yeah, hey, and that it, was and a it's sacrifice. sad when you think about that. It but, totally is. But Lane's death immortalized him yeah. and a lot of us just went for the ride with him. Yeah. You know, you and him meet, you know, I'd still be John Grounty, but the match and all that stuff. And then his death and then that movie. And then the song Red Rock came out and yeah. you know, oh, just yeah. so many things have happened. And then Elsie carrying the message about Lane Frost and uh, what she does with these kids is just amazing. Yeah. That the Hollywood part of that, you know, I mean, of course they're going to, Make drama. I mean, right. every they show that we've ever, yeah, yeah. yeah, but but Clyde and Elsie are two of the greatest people. Oh, right, you know, right. You know what I mean? And no. that, that's the that's the only part of of that movie that's. I got to I got to tell you how yeah. blessed I am. I had this extra ticket night before last. Right. And and it, we have really good seats. Uh, we you know the surveys and the volts and all of them are sitting. We're right on the second row in this two seats that I have. Speaking of vol seats, we right. got to talk about that right, in a minute, right. Jerry Nelson. So, so, so. anyway. Um, I have this extra ticket. So I go to the gold card room and everybody's left to go to the thing. And I'm just getting ready to leave. And the national anthem starts. So I stand up and, you know, we're just in a room. Mm. Well, I look over there and I see the back of this lady. And I already know it's Elsie. Uh -huh. so, oh, wow. So I go, hey, <laughs> cowgirl, you want a date for the night? And so she and I sat together the whole thing. And awesome. it was just a blessing to be with her. Anytime I'm with her, she makes me smile. Yeah. I know. That, that's great. I'm, but I'm so happened. glad that you're still what, friends. That's what her. happens uh, in yeah. life. And you just got to be aware of the things that are happening around you. Yep. Because there's so many great things happening to you. But some of us go through life with blinders on. And yeah. and if you just open your eyes and, and feel, the, feel the joy of life, it's, it's so for her to be there yeah. and for me to tease her and we tease all the time. And, and she is, she's like a mother image to me, even though she probably only, I can't give her age away, but she, she's only <laughs> like 10 years older than I am. She's, <laughs> she's a great, great lady yeah, and a great interview. If you guys ever get yeah, a shot. Absolutely. Let me add some to that. So in this kind of a quote, read this a while ago on social media. I just, it, it kind of resonates pretty well. And to this point Lane, you know, you always say, you know, you only live once, right? No wrong. You live all the time. You only die once. Yes. And I believe that. And, yeah. and, and we, if we've done our job here on earth, yep. they'll remember you. It's yeah. not how rich you are or anything else. Yep. It's that smile or that hello and remembering a name. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. I, I learned that a long time ago. Yeah. I hey, was Brad, raised in the car business. <laughs> Brad, can you believe he's a stock contractor? He's it, it, so non-typical, isn't he? Uh, it makes you sense know. why uh, you're so popular. I'll yeah, tell you that. I'm learning right you, now. You have, you have I don't developed. know about that. You know, there's another thing. You, for you people out there, you can't see me. 
but I weigh 148 pounds, <laughs> and and there's enough of those guys that knock the crap out of me if I thought I was <laughs> if I thought I was a big tough stock contractor. Yeah, so like, it was easier to get along with them than it was to fight with them. Right, it's not like Hank or somebody, you know. Right, so right, intimidating. <laughs> yeah, no. So, All right. So let's let's switch some gears here, just so okay. we can ramp it back. Yeah, because we can go question. we can go forever. Yeah, what, about, what about um? Tell us the the Kish relationship with you. And, yeah. you know, well, Donnie's sister and my sister married brothers. Okay. And then my dad, when I was, and I, I love my dad, so don't get me no, wrong here. Not, but my dad never had time for me. Right. You know, he was surviving and, and doing his thing. I'm, I'm trying so to here feed comes, mine, yeah. So here comes Donnie Kish along. And, you know, he's 13, 14 years younger than I am. And uh, my dad goes to his football games and everything, and he's working for my dad. And, and, <laughs> and we know each other sort of through family. But I don't hardly know Donnie at all. And uh, so he's on the ranch, and I'm still going to school at Cal Poly. And uh, and he and he's really he's really smart. I mean, he he learned oh, everything. Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, I I already know I want to get in the rodeo business, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. But here he is, and he's becoming really. He and I are becoming really close. And hell, I got him driving a cattle truck before he's 16 years old, and he just <laughs> nice. he can do it all. <laughs> and so um, I knew I had this great partner, and so it made it, it drove me to you know him being there. Gave me the attitude because I knew I had help. I knew somebody yes. had my back. And uh, even though he was just a kid. So anyway, we go to the NFR in, uh, in Oklahoma City. We drive our truck there. We almost get caught in a snowstorm. I think he's 16 and we're in a snowstorm and he's driving. Oh and he was smart enough. This trucker comes by at Flagstaff and it's snowing. It's really snowing hard. And this trucker says, follow me. And this kitchen there, he just gets right in behind this truck. Two tracking. And, and, yeah. and we finally get ahead of it, you know, about 40, 50 miles down the road. Oh, but then we never stop. We go all the way to Oklahoma City and we get there. <laughs> but anyway, we got to meet Dell Hall. Great man. Oh, and yeah. he was the the bull, the bull man of the year back 105. in those days. 105. Golly. And so anyway, <laughs> he and Donnie really hit it off. And Dell Hall, every night after the rodeo, he lived close enough, but it was it was like Yes, probably sir. a two or three hour drive yeah, from Oklahoma there. City. But he, he was a teacher and a school bus driver and the whole thing. So he had to be back there the next day to do all this. <laughs> well, he just took Donnie along with him. And, and Donnie and him, you know, Donnie was, you know, innovative and wanting to learn stuff. And, and uh, so Dale started teaching him about bucking bulls and how to raise them and stuff. And, and, and so... We get home, and if you guys know Donnie, once he gets oh, wound up, oh, yeah. he just keeps talking, talking, talking. So we get home, and Donnie wants to go meet Bob Barnby. He's still alive, and he's, uh -huh. he's part of that Oscar breeding program. Yes, and so here he is. He's probably 17 years old now. Then we go meet Bob Barnby. And a great story, you know, history, you know, that's what we need, historians in our Absolutely. world. So anyway, he really talks to Donnie and coaches him and teaches him a lot. And Donnie... Uh, Bob Cook, we bought him out, but we didn't buy. We 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 thought we were going to get Oscar's velvet, but we didn't get him because he just had him priced too high, and I thought it was yes, too sir. high. I should have bought him. But I didn't have the. I could have got by. I'd have, I'd have robbed Peter to pay Paul, but right. I got him. But anyway, we did. But we uh, uh, Bob had another bull called Fonzie that we didn't get, and he he sold him at the sale at Oklahoma City, and uh, Dale Hall and and Donnie got together and. And Bob Cook and Donnie weren't getting along very good then. So Dale Hall bought Fonzie for Donnie and he brought him back home and bred all the red rock heifers that we ended up oh, with. Wow. So Donnie's genetics was uh, the Oscar breeding and the red rock daughters. 
and, oh, wow. and right off the get-go, here comes Wolfman and Outlaw. And oh, wow. We took six of his bulls when they were old enough, all out of that breeding program in one year to the finals, and then he just kept bringing all these Oscar breeding bulls. Wow. But Donnie, through Dale Hall, learned how to no, do that. So this is in, well, Red Rock's still alive. So mm. it, it, this is in the mid-'80s or mm -hmm. that they get this done, and— uh, it just it turned out good. I was really proud of him for that. We were always known for our bulls. Absolutely, I got I got to tell you yeah. my favorite Don and Kish story. Uh, in 2011, the year after I did the NFR, he uh, we went up and did Bremerton that year, oh. and uh, it was uh, so one of the guys I can't remember who it was got bucked off, and I mean I had a shot. Okay, so I'm in the barrel. And I go packing it off in there because I and I cut him off. And when he did, that bull hit my barrel so hard it knocked him out. Do you remember right, that? You were there then. Yes, sir. Right. That was me. And it I knocked thought... me about half silly. And it <laughs> knocks the bull. And I'm laying over. Well, um, Diefenbach comes running over and stands me up, and he says, "He's out, mate. He's out." And I said, "No, I'm not. Not you, you stupid. It's the bull's out." So I kind of stagger out of the barrel. Okay, and. Everybody is it's quiet. So this bull is shaking, and all of a sudden he just comes to. You remember? Yeah. And the only thing I remember of that is Bumgarner is at the gate. He's in the let-out gate when they let him out. And I walk by him about half idle, and he goes, <laughs> far out, man. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, everybody. You know, I've, never, then, I've never seen a bull get knocked out before like that. He and, hit and the barrel I, so hard with me, it knocked him out. So then here's the scary part of it, okay? I've just knocked one of Don Kish's bulls unconscious, okay? So I had to go back there. And I, and cause I, I mean, I had a shot to pack it in there. Nope. To, yeah, it was trying to right, say, you're supposed you know, to. Yes. Yeah. Right. And he walks over and he's sitting on the tailgate with the Coors and he says, uh, I said, we okay. He said, you're fine, son. And after that, we never had a book. I mean, I, but I respected <laughs> those so, animals so much. I, I it, it right. scared me and right. I hated that, but he was so kind. Man, I didn't know, you know you're knocking out bulls, right? Yeah. Right. Sorry. This ain't about me, but I got, I, I'm, I'm trying to describe about oh. what, what, uh, Donnie Kish was oh, like. He's just yeah, a yeah, great guy. Yeah. We all had a, we, we worked at our attitude and, and I think, you know, because of that, we became friends of the cowboy and, and when, it, when everybody's getting along, you know, everybody would jump in and help. And, and I saw that when I was younger, we, we used to go to a lot of flying. I used to go to a lot of flying U rodeos and, yep. and if cotton was there, pretty soon everybody was dragging their feet, didn't want to help or do anything. But we'd go to the, you know, Jack Odom and Lee Rosser, and Lee was just a young kid. We'd go to their, where they were putting on the rodeos. Hell, we all jumped in and helped, picked up whatever mm. you needed. We were all in it, you know. Yeah. And, and so, if with kindness gets you a lot further than uh, being well, a that's, totally agree. that's exactly right. And, and just have fun at this deal. Right, right. Know? And it is. When that band starts playing, if you're in the rodeo world at all, if you don't feel that, you're, you're, yes, you don't, do you want something. out. Yeah, go do something I, yes. else, oh, too. And the day that happens, we're all in it. Right. So, you know. You are listening to NFR Extra with our guest, John Growney. Let's take a quick break. Welcome to NFR 360, where the NFR experience comes to life. This portal transports you to an immersive visual experience, encapsulating the stories and history of the NFR experience. NFR 360 is a collection of newly produced and historical digital content filled with stories about current and legendary contestants, the inside scoop on all the elements of how you experience the National Finals Rodeo, and inside tips that will improve your experience during the NFR 365 days a year. Hi, I'm eight-time world champion bull rider Donnie Gay, and you're listening to NFR Extra. NFR Extra with John Growney. 
Where were you staying when you were coming back in the eighties when it started coming here to Vegas? Okay, well the first first stop to get go. It, it's, so now you you've been doing your homework. Okay, <laughs> so when we first came here, I think the first year we were here, we stayed at the MGM and and uh, mm-hmm. and it was brand new and and that was the first year. Yeah. Then the second year, uh, we stayed at the Union Plaza that was owned by Jackie Gone. Yep. And. Uh, so I don't know how Michael Gon saw me, my name, but he 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 saw that John Growney or Growney Brothers Rodeo Company was at the Union Plaza. So the next year he made sure we were at the Gold Coast, and that's where he was. And I get a message on my you know house phone that Mr. Gon would like to talk to you. Nice. And you know now what did I do or what you know where did I screw this thing up and everything? And he had a good friend named Mike Growney. Mm-hmm. And Mike Grounded was uh, a retired FBI, just retiring from the FBI, and, and but really close to to, to Michael Gunn. Yep. And so he wanted to know how I was related. Well, just that winter before, remember that there's a plan happening, and you just got to be aware of oh, that yeah. plan happening. Just that winter before, I was down in Arizona with my sister, and she'd met these Grounies down there, and they had a restaurant. Well, so I went and met them. And they told me that they had a brother up in Las Vegas named Mike Growney that was an FBI agent. So <laughs> sure enough, I get to meet him the next year through Michael Gunn, and he's got a son named Ryan Growney. Yep. So Ryan Growney, just Michael Gunn, when you know he's he's the boss. Yeah. He, he, he's not God and he's not Jesus, but he, there's some room for him down there really <laughs> close. He knows him really he's well. He's on the carpet. Right, right. Yeah. So he, he, he tells me, you know, he, first of all, he introduces me to Mike Brownie at the NFR and, and Ryan's there. And I think Ryan's 13 or 14 years old. Wow. And, and so we we're meeting him and then Michael gone. That's, and this is how he works. He goes, he'll come and work for you when he's old enough to drive. You know, there was oh, no yeah. me saying yes or no or anything. He'll be there. Yep. And so this Ryan was a straight A student. I can't even tell some of the stuff that went on. But anyway, <laughs> it's okay. Kid, he did this kid, actually. This kid never missed a day of school. I mean, yeah. he was if 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 there's a such thing as a nerd, he was almost there, but he was in pretty good shape and he had a good mind. But he had, hadn't been exposed to the cowboy way of life. <laughs> so Ooh, anyway, between yeah, yeah. between Lloyd Faria and Donnie Kish, they balanced this kid out and, and we taught him to be a cowboy and, and taught him how to, you know, just taught him our world. Yeah. And he worked for us for eight years in a row. Even when he was going to Georgetown, he'd still come home in the summertime oh, nice. and work for us. And so he, he just, he was really smart. But I, I know, you know, when you come in our world, you, you grew up fast. Yep. And he'd never driven in his life and I had a, four-speed feed wagon, and there was something going on. I think the high school rodeo finals were going on in Red Bluff. So I took him up to this uh, lot that I knew, this, this guy that has a big lot of trucks and everything, and the lot's big, mm. and I get him in this truck, and, you know, the old clutch is oh, popped yeah. and everything. Ooh, ooh. But about a half hour into this, this kid's caught on. He yep. knows how to do it. I go get in the other rig. I say, I'll meet you at the fairgrounds. You go get some hay at the house and I'll meet you at the fair. So <laughs> oh, here's man. this 15 year old driving this truck <laughs> in Red Bluff, knowing he's illegal and everything else, but <laughs> he still did it. And then it's not a couple of days later, he's with Lloyd Faria and Lloyd's driving. Lloyd is one of our pickup men. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I surrounded myself with great guys and he's a great guy. Nice. So anyway, Ryan's with him and Ryan's got his new leather gloves, you know, that he bought before he came to Red Bluff <laughs> and everything. And Lloyd goes, 
Oh, I see you got some gloves. And he goes, where'd you get those? And then Ryan pulls them out and he goes, Lloyd goes, let me see those. And Ryan hands him them gloves and Ryan, Lloyd throws those gloves out the, out the window. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I go, we don't wear gloves around here. <laughs> That's so great. We didn't just, tell us that a, one, did he? It's a lot of lessons that, that yeah. I learned. But now, you know, uh, I was proud to have him and he's a yeah. groundie and we, groundies, yes. we just found out through DNA the other day that he's like a seventh cousin or something that's like awesome. that. Yeah, that's so, so our great, my great, great, great grandfather yep. and his great, or my great, great grandfather, they turn out to be brothers. So, uh, <laughs> but back in those days, you know, when somebody left the nest and went to the, went to West coast of California, yep. they lost contact with They didn't have a clue. Yeah. And then, and, and so anyway, that is, I'm I, really proud well, of you. You sure molded him pretty doggone right. good. But I didn't have a lot to do. Don Kish and Lloyd Faria, and then the world itself molded him. Yeah. He did. There was a lot more things out yeah. there than he ever thought about. <laughs> Ryan's like, so we interviewed Ryan and everything that you were talking about. That's how we were able to he kind just, of segue in there because we interviewed him. I've actually got to interview him quite a few times, but when uh, yeah. Robbie and I did, yeah, he was open about that, his life. And there's... Yeah. Look, we can talk about Ryan for a good long time. He is polished. He doesn't miss a beat. Uh, he's a great guy. But obviously, if you guys are related and meeting you, you're a great guy. I mean, you guys are really good speakers. You're just engaging. There's something in the ground. There behind, is. Right? We, we don't shut up. But <laughs> the thing about it, I, school got in my way of my life. But I did go to college for eight years, but... The class has really gotten in the way of the, of the social. So you're Dr. John Browning? Yeah, I that, could have been real easy. I, I always, you know, now that you're older and a little more mature, not a lot more right. mature. I know if I had just tried just a little bit harder, I'd have graduated with a good degree and done something. But By golly, look I, how much fun you wouldn't I, have had. Right. Yeah, because you're not doing anything today. Right. Well, I'm really not. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I did my senior project of getting into the rodeo business. Yep. And as soon as I had it complete, I left. I still had about 20 units left to take, but I just, I knew already in my mind what I wanted to do. But I, if anybody's out there listening, go to college yeah. because, and, and if you don't graduate, the people you meet at school will be influential in your life, the rest of your life. 100%. And, and in my rodeo business, they had a, 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 you know, for fairgrounds, a managers, they actually had a class on being a manager of a fair. Nice. And, and, a lot of those kids that I knew through agriculture and through Cal Poly ended up becoming fair managers and it opened the door for me to get a lot of those rodeos that are during fairs and stuff. Nice. So it's just great. It, there's so many doors that open for you when you're coming out of college. You, uh, John, you brought up Cal Poly. So we had Ben Londo on and wow, that I great mean, kid. That sharp guy. Yeah. yeah. Another yeah. sharp guy. Kind of segue out of this. So now think about it, you're bringing this up. How do you, where do you think rodeo is right now? You, you've seen things and you see it right at the forefront. Like, how do you feel about it? You don't even want to ask me because, okay, yeah. uh, how much time do we have? Because ah, it's ahead. a segment of its own. If we don't tear this association one of these days, if the good guys don't compete against themselves and leave the little guys alone, yep. you know, they, they keep asking, where's all the little guys? Where's all our guys coming up? We break them. It costs so much money to live in this world alone. Yeah. And now you go, I, I've got a nephew, JC Trujillo's grandson. And, you know, he, he went to one rodeo with his permit to Brawley, California. Mm -hmm. He wins the bull riding and he doesn't even hesitate. He goes and buys his cart because he wants to go to Denver, Fort Worth, you know, Cheyenne, all those. Right. Yeah. And you, you got to draw the best horses to beat the Casey Fields and, the, you know, 
Yeah. And then the bull riding, you know, in high school, he was a great bull rider. And if you get on the mediocre bulls, yep. he, he could ride them sperm. He could do anything. And he rode better than I ever rode in my yeah. life. But the bulls out there now are so rank that these young kids coming out of high school, they make their bull riders, and all of a sudden there's another level of bulls that they're getting on that are hard to ride. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that goes back so, to the, yeah. yeah. I, this, I really believe that we have got to stop that. Yeah. And and uh, and we have got, if we're going to be pro-rodeo, mm-hmm. and that's our logo, Yeah. give me the pros getting on the best stock at the best rodeos and yeah. leave them out of those other rodeos because there'll be plenty of kids to, to yeah. saddle. And most of them do in the lower end rodeos go there. But a lot of them don't figure it out, and then we break them, and then we lose them. You're listening to NFR Extra with our guest, John Growney, owner of Growney Brothers Rodeo Company. After the break, we will wrap up our conversation. Every December, the eyes of the rodeo world are on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, the world's richest and most prestigious rodeo. And now you can follow the NFR all year long at nfrexperience.com. You'll find information on Cowboy Christmas and the Junior World Finals, unique blogs and content, access to NFR Extra, and much more. With the Stay in the Loop Club, you'll also have a chance to win a trip for two to Las Vegas 2021 for the world's greatest rodeo. Don't get left in the dust. Stay in the loop, stay in the know, and win at NFR experience.com I'm world champion bull rider Sage Kimsey and you're listening to NFR Extra John Growney here on NFR Extra Rodeo's hard to market yeah. you know, I, I, all my committee hey John here's this guy from this TV station will you talk to him I'm going to tell him the same thing I told him last year I can't totally. there's nothing new because I don't know who's coming I don't, I don't know who's entered on what day. Yeah. I don't even know if he's going to enter the rodeo. And then I don't know up. if he's going to show up and yeah. get on that thing. True. So how do you market something like that? And that's where I learned through Lane and Red Rock was we, we were marking this two, two uh, months ahead of time. We knew where he was going to be and what day yep. he was going to be up. And that's how we did it. And so they had sellout crowds because people came to see something that they understood. Yeah. And it was marketed. You know, I'm just going to say this is the American kind of that model. When you look it at is, it, you it know, is PBR is mean, that model, everybody, yeah, yeah. but we, we, are, I could go. I got so many, Send we are, we are ran <laughs> by people. Uh, one of my favorite saying is uh, we're still in 1954. And the only thing that's changed is the shape of a cowboy hat because oh. we're, we're past to us from generation to generation, how we did it in 1954. And those days are gone. And if we can't market, I need the ability. I I wanna know two months ahead of time when you're up and when you're gonna get there and you're gonna be there. And then I would like to know a month ahead of time what horse or bull you have drawn so I can make a contest out of it. So I can sell it to the media and they'll be waiting for you when you get there. But now I can't sell nothing. That's fascinating because, you know, obviously working on the promotional marketing side of the NFR, I 100% understand that. And for us, we're always talking about the experience and, you know, the competition, but there's never a point. And and when we do it, we really only have 24 hours to do it, right? Once once the selection's done, we have 24 hours to promote the matchup, but that's it. Those people have already decided they're going somewhere else and it doesn't mean anything. Here again, we we were at St. Paul, Oregon and... Trevor's probably getting tired of hearing this story, but it's a true story. Anyway, Trevor finds a circuit guy to trade with. Mm. Time defenders can trade. Yep. He gets both his calves, both his team rope and steers in the slack 
and he's gone. Biggest 4th of July rodeo in the world, uh, and he is gone. And so I see him in the hospitality tent, and I tell him what I'm seeing. And, and he had a great answer. He goes, John, I don't really make money rodeoing. I make it from my sponsors, and my sponsors buy me because of my gold buckles I win. So his answer was correct. Yeah. But it wasn't the right thing to hear. But it wasn't a from week. From the promoter side. From the, exactly. Right, to marketing yes, and stuff yeah. like that. I understand. So, so how do I, if, if the world champion, the greatest time eventer ever lived, has been there and gone, and he probably placed at that rodeo. Yeah. And it, it was in the slack. It's a non-story now. Non-story. Never, yes. never was a story because yeah. I couldn't tell you he was coming. So it, it's not... It's not a week and a half later, we're at Salinas and we're in the slack and I'm down at the uh, strip and shoot for the time to vent cattle. And one of the directors on the board, but that's his little area. And if yes. you've been to Salinas, mm -hmm. you don't cross into that area. That's his area. So it, he's there and he's telling me about this gray horse he just bought about two months before that and how much better he's roping. And so I know that this guy is a director on the Salinas board. He owns a rope horse and he loves roping. Mm. So we're visiting so he doesn't hear the name. Trevor Brazil's up in the slack and he comes riding in there. They're taking the rope off. So I'm just having a, a little conversation with Trevor. You know, how you doing and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And he starts to ride away. And this director who ropes goes, who is that? Oh, man. So without saying his name, I go, hey. <laughs> and I holler at Trevor <laughs> and I go, <laughs> and, and I the word I used was a little different than I would use today. But, right. but. Trevor rides back and he goes, what is it, John? And I go, this guy wants to know who in the frick you are. Yes. <laughs> because, and, and this guy, this guy, if he doesn't know who Trevor Brazil is, there is nobody in that grandstand knows who Trevor right. Brazil is. Yeah. And so we failed, we failed Trevor Brazil yep. and Trevor Brazil failed us. Yeah. And that's got to stop. That's the a marketing. Great point. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and I think that is with the PBR and stuff like that. They know where they're going. You know, you can promote it. It's, it's yeah. secure. Right. You Yes. Yeah, and if you want to be in the PBR, you'll be there. You're going to be there. Right. Yeah. You'll you go out of your way. You'll, you know, yes. you'll drag yourself somewhere yes, because sir. they'll get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah. And those are some big checks they're giving away in the PBR. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's a big draw. But we could, once we start marketing, once we start growing a fan base and, and you know, that doing the right things, we can start paying those guys more money. Oh, yeah. But until we start doing stuff like that, we're stuck in 1954 and it's hard to do that. Yeah. yeah I oh, agree. Man, that completely and, makes and it's sense. A, and it's such a small demographics of the agriculture. I mean, you can't go to Pepsi, you can't go to here or you can't mm. because somebody, you yeah. know, they don't understand. Right. First of all, they don't understand our way right. of life. Obviously we right. know that. And we need a fan base. We're really, you know, it's an experience. Yeah. It's just an experience. Yeah. You know, you're going in the dirt, you're going to wear your boots, your cowboy hat, mm -hmm. and you're going to have fun. You're going to have a party. You're going to do that. Yeah. But you never really got to meet any of the champions. There's so many great. You're going to do an interview with a great man, oh, we're and, and there are so many great kids <laughs> out there that could do an interview with you that could help sell them, and you could sell rodeo. Oh yeah, and, and so that's pretty much. So what I this hope is. I hope the commissioner, I mean, this commissioner, is listening because I've been this year before. I've been to everybody's here, but nobody's listening. Yeah. So so anyway, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I know we're short on time, right? We, just, Mr. we could sing out with her for yeah. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I like marketing and I love the marketing side of when you, you apply it to the actual competition. Uh, what I'm learning today is fantastic. Right. And that, 
Man, well, he you, is as good. He's a champion in both. I mean, yeah. the production side and I, I had it's you know, fun I know we're in a hurry. I, you know, my whole life I've been blessed with people coming into my life at the right time. Yeah. So I'm going to school at Cal Poly, and this young guy, his, his first name was John, and he had an Irish name, and he had six kids or seven kids. He was with 3M. He was one of the top executives oh, wow. with 3M, and he knew marketing. He knew it so well, and he, and he could really teach us. So he left because he was the alcohol, the 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 socializing part yep. of being at 3M, you know, meeting all these companies and corporations or anything, you know, he started drinking more than he was supposed to. So he finally walked away from 3M and went, became an instructor, a teacher there at Cal Poly. And he was the greatest instructor ever. And he's the one that really instilled in my mind yeah. that everything is marketing. We market ourselves, we yeah. market our product, yes. we market everything. And we're not doing that. I agree. You know, a mentor of mine uh, used to tell me is like when marketing does its job, everyone gets to keep theirs. There's right. Oh. Amen. Yeah, that was a good, a good one. Too. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's exactly well, and I got a job. So, and, and, you know. <laughs> and, and, and George Taylor comes out of marketing. Yeah. I know he knows, oh, I but do. the, the stone walls that he's running into in rodeo, yeah. you know, the, the, these young cowboys, you know, some of the kids that run the association are the gold buckles and, you know, the, the kids that have done well and everybody else looks up to them. So what they don't like, yep. we don't like. Mm. And so somewhere along the way, we almost need to whitewash that generation out of the way and get these young kids believing in what yeah. you're selling. Yeah. That's, wow. I, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a good, that's a very good point. Yeah. George is, I think George is doing a good job. Yeah, I, I, he's trying I, his guts out and I, yeah. I love him and I, and I just know that he's the guy that we needed. But when those guys, yeah. Okay. Don't get me started. No, right. Cowboys, no, cowboys are cowboys. Yeah. They're not executives. They're not businessmen. They're in nothing about yeah. running a business, and they're running this thing. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, in a stock contract, a business is not in well, the Georgetown business right. plan you, you, either. You can it's, kick them out too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. But it's not a business model that you would want to put on the blackboard and no, show the kids. I, I, have been, I have been broke. I've been in this for 42 years. You just survived. I had a friend that's made a lot of money at home. He goes, John, if you'd have thought about making money, you would have made money. But you thought surviving wasn't. Yes, this. I, you know, I was, I, I was uh, successful because I survived another year. Yes. Yep. And, and you um, just man. hope December came yeah, and right. went on and you could start over. That's yeah. uh, that's everybody in, yeah, the, in yeah. the rodeo business. You're just trying to make enough money for the slow months, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, uh, that's yes. right. That January, February, March, they were, you had your credit cards paid up because yes. you had, <laughs> they yeah. were maxed in March. I used to I do it every year about September. I've got five or six big rodeos and that's what I use. <laughs> and I and I start nest egging about then to yeah. get you through <laughs> and, and, and right through here. And this is the most expensive. I'm taxes due, yeah. everything. And, and, uh, and see, until you've lived it you haven't you're, you're living pretty good because if taxes are due you made some money we, <laughs> I, I got the irs audited me you know and i don't care if they're out there anyway they audited me about the fifth year i was in the rodeo business they've never been back yeah, they must have a note there yes. just don't waste your time <laughs> yeah here we're gonna end up paying him <laughs> Let's leave oh, john man. what a great day yeah, thank, you, thank you thank you so much. guys I, yeah. you're, you're getting the word out and, yeah. I, and i and i hope a lot well, of people are you. following this and yeah. and knowing that the greatest icon in the world is the American cowboy. Absolutely. Yep. Solid as a rock. We want to give a big thank you to John Growney for joining us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit NFRexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. 
NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it out to Vegas. Where the big boys roam. With the rovers and the racers and the bulls and the browns. And the ladies in the skin-tight wrangers and the cowboy hats.